0: So Money, episode 732. Scott Wapner, host on CNBC and author of the new book, When the Wolves Bite.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Five years ago, two billionaires named Bill Ackman and Carl Icahn duked it out on national TV. I'm talking big fight, big fight. And the clip went viral. They hurled accusations and insults at each other over differing opinions, On a deal. And our guest today, Scott Wapner, was the CNBC host who was right in the middle of this live battle. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Scott Wapner is on the show today to discuss this TV battle that helped kind of make a name for himself as a serious and talented journalist. He didn't stop there. He recently published a book last month called When the Wolves Bite, Two Billionaires, One Company, and an Epic Wall Street Battle. I definitely see a film or a TV series in its future. The book is the real story of this viral disagreement, including unparalleled access to both of these men and where they and the deal stand now. We'll talk about the book, but also Scott's career, how he got his start, because believe it or not, he didn't always want to be a financial journalist and what makes him So Money. Here's Scott Wapner. Scott Wapner, welcome to So Money. Congratulations on your new book.
1: Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here.
0: Take me back to when the wolves first bit on your show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your book is called When the Wolves Bite, Two Billionaires, One Company, and an Epic Wall Street Battle. And that battle was between Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman. And it was over Herbalife, which is a supplements company. And this all started on your show, the Halftime Report on CNBC, where the two just went head to head, a big brawl. Did you expect it?
1: I didn't. Um, It's funny. I mean, (laughs) when they first bit, I mean, they really bit um uh, because it was it was almost a surreal moment i had booked bill ackman to come on and talk about herbalife which he had already gone public with and you know was short a billion dollars and there were rumblings in the market that icon was long the stock and was taking the other side of of ackman and the day before all of this unfolded on live tv icon was on uh, a different network and he was really uh, laying into ackman in a way that you just don't normally see so, you know, I asked Bill if he wanted to come on and defend himself from that and another producer here by the name of Max Myers, who already had a relationship with Icon, had reached out to him and told him that he should watch the interview and that if he was interested, he should uh call in and um have try and have a conversation with him on the air. So, you know, one thing led to another. I was anchoring the show from the floor of the stock exchange and We had this brawl uh, for almost a half an hour, no commercial breaks or anything, where these guys were insulting each other. And it was truly surreal. Um, You just don't normally see two billionaires um, insulting each other, especially, you know, their generational differences. You know, it was like old school versus new school. Um, Their different upbringings. It was, you know, Icon went to Princeton. Ackman went to Harvard. So you had this Ivy League battle as well. And it was just one of those moments that we knew uh, or certainly sensed that was going to live on. Now, I had no idea that the Herbalife saga itself would, would live on for as long as it did over the course of five years. But because it did, and I ended up being in the middle of it from really that very first moment and covering it you know, every step of the way thereafter... It just became a natural thing when it was all said and done that I wanted to write a book. And if I was ever going to write a book, that this would be the story that I would really want to recount and dive into in a way that I I couldn't as just a a reporter or an anchor um, covering the story. I really needed to dive in deeper to find out what was going on behind the scenes. So I decided to write the book, and and here we are.
0: Right, because the book is not just about – and this story is not just about money and business. It is about personalities, egos, history, the way you were raised. Uh, and so it kind of played out for me um, And watching The Brawl live. I didn't watch it live. I watched it back on YouTube. Everybody should check it out. It, by the way, it's just their audio, but it, you can just imagine these two men. Uh, In person, brawling, though it played out like an episode or a scene in billions and um, probably inspired some of the episodes in billions.
1: This book could definitely be a movie. Yeah, it really was, um, you know, one of those things where you kind of remember where you were um, (laughs) and it was just so out of the ordinary that you'd have these guys, um, you know, yelling at each other and it, it really. You know, what I try to do in the book is give you a sense, a true sense of who these people really are, and then you decide for yourself, you know, what makes each of the main characters in the book act the way they do, invest the way they do, make the money decisions that they do, and if you can read through the pages in the book and come away with a window into their psyche uh, and psychology of investing. Then you know I I try to give you a deeper layer than just the background of, of this story itself, and I I think readers will take a, a pretty uh, a clear view of who these individuals are by virtue of the stories I tell. <laughs>
0: Were you surprised by the ultimate fate of this story that where you have now Herbalife, which is up 120% over the last five years, Icon, the, the, the victor in this story. Are you surprised by the turnout? And who are you rooting for?
1: So I'm not surprised that it turned out the way it did. Um, and look, frankly, I mean, I have no rooting interest to, in it at all um but i'm not surprised the way it turned out because the minute that icon emerged in the story the game changed in a in a in a real and and dramatic way and i'm not sure that bill ackman fully understood how much the game had changed and how much the goalposts had moved you know he went short the stock he made a big public presentation and the stock got hammered in in half, and I think he thought that you know he was going to win, that this was going to be over fairly quickly, and then Carl Icahn emerged, and it was simply different after that. But I don't I don't think that that Ackman truly expected Icahn to remain as resilient and just be there as long as he really planned to be. And I don't think he was prepared to deal with the fact that Icon would continue to build his stake bigger and thus apply more uh leverage um and the potential of a, a short squeeze in the stock, which would, you know, mean that, you know, Icon and others who are long would, would take so much stock out of the marketplace mm-hmm. that if Bill Ackman ever had to cover or get out. It would be incredibly difficult and very expensive, and his losses could be infinite. And I just don't think that Ackman truly understood where the game was going um, from those initial days.
0: Hmm. Scott, you've always wanted to be a journalist, I read. Did you always think that you wanted to be in this Uh, In this beat, covering the markets and business, did you gravitate towards this, or did you just sort of accidentally fall into this field?
1: You know, Farnoosh, if you told me, um, (laughs) you know, that today, okay, you're gonna, or if you told me, you know, say twenty years ago, you're going to be a business journalist and you're going to cover the markets and you're going to have all these relationships with these billionaire investors, and that's going to be the focal point of your professional life, I would have told you you're crazy. Mm I, I really, you know, grew up having an, an intense interest in media and journalism and news. But I always thought I was going to be, you know, a sports broadcaster. That's what I wanted to do when I was growing up. I was sort of obsessed with sports and I thought I was going to be the next Bob Costas or Howard Cosell. At least I sh- I hope to be. But, you know, one crazy little break, you know, for, to another, I ended up getting a job right out of school with a guy who ran a syndicated business show in the town where, you know, in DC, I I grew up out just outside of DC. So I took that job and it was kind of a do everything sort of a job. And it's just that, you know, you cover business news there. You, you know, one thing leads to another. I ended up getting a job in New York as a reporter for a, a business feed where I would do, you know, reports on maybe it was a a big economic report that came out that day or a big analyst call. And I would prepare a reporter package on that. And then I got a job offer in Dallas for a local affiliate down there as their franchise business reporter. And it was a really up and coming market for the type of, you know, business news that the station wanted to do. You know, people like Mark Cuban were, you know, emerging on the scene as as real players. And there were so many corporate headquarters located uh, there. EDS, Frito-Lay, Dr. Pepper, JCPenney. So many of these, you know, Fortune 500 names were down there that they wanted to add a business reporter. So I, I got that job. And, you know, here I am. I, I you know, been at CNBC in one capacity uh, or another since 2001 first as a correspondent for the wall street journal report and i I, i'd be honest with you i would never look back or want to go back i i love this i love the markets i love business news i love how relevant and important it is and instead of wanting to you know be around the tom brady's and these other you know great professional athletes um, I love being around the billionaires who move the markets and move money and really, you know, um, have waiting on the way that the world really truly operates.
0: And the business world definitely takes on its own form of athleticism. <laughs> I, it
1: does, right? And covering yeah, the markets is, is, is like a sport.
0: It is. It is. I want to share a story with you. You have no idea that this ever happened, but I do because – so I used to report from the NASDAQ for the street.com years ago and you were there i believe at some point right didn't you report from the nasdaq
1: i did yes you i did you did
0: and so you were like the north star for all of us else you know other reporters working for these dot coms and you know our little digital channels and you you like CNBC was was like you'd made it so we were very much in awe of you and i remember one day microsoft came to ring the opening bell and Steve Ballmer was going to be there. And the press team said, absolutely no interviews with Steve. No way. You got in there and you got, I don't think he wanted you to interview him, but you got an exclusive with Steve Ballmer. Do you remember that?
1: I, I vaguely remember vaguely? that. Um, you know, it was, um, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, you're very nice just saying the, the, the things that, that you did. You know, curbing the markets for me was critical, again, because I didn't, I didn't grow up and I didn't have a, a, you know, learned background at school or anything. I didn't have any practical experience on the street. Um, So being at the NASDAQ in in those days, and I was there, I think for around three years, Mm -hmm. which felt like an eternity, but it was, it was necessary. It was like boot camp of really learning the markets and talking about these, these stocks all the time. And then, you know, being on the floor of the stock exchange, it literally was like going to graduate school for, for the stock market. And, you know, it was was sort of just really running on your feet, Um, whether it was Balmer or I remember I remember Oprah showed up there um, one day to do an interview, uh, actually to to ring the opening bell. And I can't remember what it was for. And again, it was sort of no interviews, but I somehow ended up, you know, dragging her into an interview with me um, (laughs) on on stage, you know, that little stage that Mm -hmm. they have there. And, you know, it was one of those moments where. You know, you you were a hustler and you just tried to do whatever you could possibly do to, you know, make a mark. And beyond the the mundane of, OK, Microsoft is trading here, Apple's trading here, Intel's here, to try and take advantage of those fun little moments that you could, you know, at least make a name for yourself beyond just the simple stock coverage that, you know, we, we all did.
0: What's your opening line when you're approaching Oprah for an interview that she doesn't really want to do? <laughs>
1: Um, it may have been something like, "Hey, we're on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> you, you got to yeah. give an opportunity. Look like not you're interested,
0: right? You have no choice. Yeah. The cameras yeah, are exactly. rolling. That's, that's yeah. Funny. So
1: it was funny. I mean, I still, I still have this photo um, that was blown up of um, me uh, standing there interviewing uh, Oprah. Um, it's definitely one of the you know the the main memories I have from reporting from the stage. As I said, otherwise. It says, you know, the, the memories are what we all did all day there. You, you mm-hmm. get up there and you talk about the stocks that are moving. But one day doesn't truly resonate from the next, um, you know, unless you somehow have have one of those moments. And to bring it full circle, it's, it's what I, I got lucky and I had it on the halftime report. And, and here I am, you know, six years later and you got you have a book.
0: I'd love to dive into uh, your personal finances a little bit. This show, So Money, is what people come for. They come here to learn about our guests' money mindsets and experiences. Going back to childhood, you mentioned you were raised outside of D.C. What was your mm-hmm. foray into the financial world as a kid? Did you ha- did you have an education around this? Um, what was your most memorable moment?
1: Around money?
0: Yes, learning about money um, or –
1: Geez, you know. but maybe learning the hard way. Um, and I remember I remember getting my first credit card. Let, let's take it to to that stage, because prior to that, you know, I have no real, you know, great recollection of, of lessons that I would have learned at at an early age. Although, um, you know, my parents were clearly careful about the, the money they spent. And when you're when you're young and a child, you you know, you don't know from what you don't have uh really you you're happy with what you do you don't you don't think of things in in that sense but i do remember getting my first credit card and i maybe maybe it was in in college and man i i wish i knew then what i know now about, about debt and all all of that <laughs> Um, because I mean, I, I really enjoyed having that credit card. Let's just say that, (laughs) um, until the, you know, the bills start rolling in and you realize, okay, uh, that you have to pay the piper at, at some point. And it was a, it really was a, a somewhat life-changing life molding, um, event. And when it comes around money, um, because I never forget it, um, of having to, you know, pay off those bills myself. Uh, my parents weren't going to come to the rescue, uh, for me. And, you know, I did whatever I had to do, working extra jobs and doing whatever to pay off, um, you know, and we're not talking about astronomical debts, but enough that when you're, you know, in college, you, you don't, you know, you don't have, um, you know, a few thousand dollars at your, your no. you know, obvious disposal in your own bank account. So, you know, it was, um, it was a good lesson learned. And I truly do think about that um, today, uh, which is why now I, I literally, I don't carry balances on on credit cards or certainly try not to um, just because I always think of, of those moments.
0: Our podcast sponsor, Chase Slade, did a survey recently and found that over half of parents have talked about money with kids. Uh, it sounds like maybe you didn't have that direct lesson, that teachable moment. Maybe you did. I'm, I'm wondering, though, what was, was there anything your parents taught you either through conversation or just modeling around money?
1: I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. It's just nothing that I can say, oh, I remember this one story that my mom or dad told me or, you know, the ways that we, we talked about uh, money. Um, I just don't really have the recollection that we had some big sit- – now we, we may have and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, we probably did but it wasn't a a revolutionary kind of of conversation i think what i what i learned um about that was mostly through my own kind of trial and error i mean it was you know it was always the importance of of making your own money and and working hard and stuff like that i always had you know from the first time that i was old enough to work i always um had jobs and tried to, you know, make and save money so that I wasn't, you know, reliant on on anything. If I wanted things that maybe my my parents um, couldn't provide for, I wanted to make sure that I could do it myself. So I think th- those were valuable lessons, and I'm sure there were things that they, you know, fulfilled for me um, in, in terms of of those discussions about money. But the most valuable stuff truly is what I learned from, from my own errors, you know?
0: Yeah, the school of hard knocks. You talked about trial and error, and it sounds like the error might have been, one of the errors was the, the credit card in college, been there. What was the win? What was your So Money moment or moments? What's something that you're really proud that you accomplished in your financial life?
1: Um, I'd say really being responsible about putting money away diligently for, you know, kids schooling. Um, my wife, I, I have to give, you know, uh, all credit for the, I'd say the, the biggest financial win, um, so to speak, was really orchestrated by the, the brilliance of my wife who ended up buying an apartment in Manhattan in an area downtown that, that wasn't very hot at the time. Um, it was not, I mean, at all. And she really had the, the vision to do it. And she sold it, uh, you know, when we were together, she sold it at the, what would be the top of, of the market. So, I mean, that was, um, a tremendously successful financial transaction, um, that, you know, I only get any credit for because I, <laughs> I happen to be there. Um, but it was really her, her wisdom um, about that. Mine, I would just say, just being diligent about saving money. And I just think it's because of some of the things like around, you know, what the story I just told you before, um, really making sure that you're thinking about the future that you don't need. I really try and live on the, you, you know, I do try and live life well in the way that, you know, I'd like to, um, but not stupidly um, or frivolously. And then I, I do think of, you know, do I really need that sort of thing? Oh, I want that. I want this. Do I really need that? And I hope that I'm, I make smart decisions today in, in ways that maybe I wouldn't have in the past.
0: I want to get let you get back to your job, which is uh, your halftime show, your half, the halftime report. And you're on the, are you at the New York Stock Exchange now?
1: I'm not. I'm. We do our show probably 99% of the time from our studio in Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey. I'm I go to the stock exchange every now and then um, when, you know, maybe we have a guest who wants to join from there or we feel like it's a you know big day is, is uh, upon us. So we'd like to be in the center of the action down on the exchange. But more times than not, I'm here at our studio.
0: All right. So two last questions. The first is... Where are the markets headed? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people who listen to this show, although we were smart enough to not make knee-jerk reactions, right? Everybody to market news. We want to, we're, we're all about the long-term approach to investing. We're investing in our retirement portfolios, but we're curious. You know, we want to know as far as, uh, maybe the rest of the second half of this year, I mean, you know, and it's been reported widely that the markets are, They've peaked. Everything's really hot right now. We're overvalued. So, are we? Gonna, I know we're going to be headed for a dip, but how big are we headed? How big is this dip?
1: I wish I knew. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic still on the markets. I, I think, I don't think the cycle's over. I really don't. You know, unless I'm missing something, I just think, you know, global growth is is synchronized in a way that. I just can't see it as having topped out. Um, Our earnings are good. Have they peaked? I don't think so. I still think that the tax law and the benefits from that and buybacks, you know, companies buying back their own, own shares, which stimulates stock prices higher. I think we haven't even seen, you know, the full bore of that. I think as long as interest rates don't get out of hand, I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm cautious only because there are wild cards around the world that you don't know how yeah. they're going to ultimately play out. That the trade and tariff narrative is, I think, a you know a full negative for the market. Is it a big enough negative to cancel out the positives that that I mentioned? You know, I don't I don't necessarily think so, and I don't I also don't think that it it's going to reach the point where it becomes so punitive for the market that we have some sort of, you know, dramatic, um, upset in, in stock prices. We had that big pullback in, in, you know, in early February and it was scary in volatility, you know, after having such sanguine markets in the most calm year on record last year in the market, the jolt back of volatility felt, you know, earth shaking, but, I still think the table is set pretty well that that this can be, you know, a decent six and a half months left in the market. I'm not, you know, suggesting that we're gonna we're gonna go to the moon or that you know there won't be some sort of pullback again. But I really have a, a more optimistic view with a, a slight, you know, hint of of caution, just because there are real issues on the table, you know, North Korea, China, trade, et cetera. But I think the scenario is still pretty good.
0: Well, I like that answer. That made me feel good. I don't know about you all listeners, well, but <clears throat> cautiously optimistic. That's I, I really think, that's, think yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, I really i don't see i don't see us having a a giant pullback um, unless there's some you know uh, existential thing out there that you know none of us know what it is. But you know, I, I hasn't. It's not that long ago that that the tax bill was was even passed um i don't think that we've seen the the full benefits from from all of that um you know so i don't know i i i'd like to think that the the next 6 months can be can be pretty good maybe maybe surprise some people
0: yeah all right well scott and last but not least i'm scott wapner i'm so money because <laughs> fill fill in the blank <laughs>
1: I'm so money because I have the pulse. I have my finger on the pulse, I think, of of what moves the markets uh, every day and who's moving it.
0: And that's why you host the Halftime Report. Thank you so much, Scott. We will be sure to share your show and your book back at the website. But the book, again, for listeners who are listening now and want to buy it right away, it's When the Wolves Bite, Two Billionaires, One Company, And an epic Wall Street battle. Congratulations and uh, good luck on the show.
1: Thank you so much. So much fun. I really, really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for tuning in, everyone. That's Scott Wapner for you. He's on Twitter at Scott Wapner CNBC. His show is called Halftime Report, airs daily on CNBC. And the book again is called When the Wolves Bite, Two Billionaires, One Company, and an Epic Wall Street Battle. If you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh too, and you can send me a question or leave a thought about the show. Love hearing from you. You can also join me on Instagram if you like, at Farnoosh Tarabi, having loads of fun over there, lots of storytelling. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and I hope your day is so money.